Good evening, everyone. Good evening, and welcome back. Welcome back to Porsche Cooled. Steve, is that you? Hello. Yes. Hello, Steve. Hello, Michael. <laughs> and Hello, Marco. Marco. Hello, Marco. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hey, mates. Better? Hello. <laughs> so some say, some say it would never happen, but it's happened. We're actually doing a three-way. Who would have thought? Don't expect much. Who would have thought? Steve is here. Marco twisted his arm. I don't know. I don't know what's happened overnight, but somehow we managed to pull this together last minute. Um, as I said before, <clears throat> I'm not promising Friday episodes of this podcast because there's way too much work at the moment. But it's another Friday's episode. It's here. We're doing it now. So. Anything else? Who's on top? Uh, you're on top at the moment. I can see you on the screen. Cool. I'm the lightest. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. This is a bit. This is a bit weird. This is a little bit weird because we haven't done a three-way conversation, and it's uh, uh, it's hard Tell to sort of it. work out who's talking and who's not talking. We'll try our best, um, and we'll uh, we'll keep going. So, so I'm going to start. Secret signal. We've got a secret signal if we talk over the top of each other. So if you hear like a screaming banshee noise, um, you'll understand what's going on. You know, I've had a lot of messages about Steve not being here. A lot of people miss you, Steve. I don't, I don't <laughs> believe you. <laughs> okay, let's get straight into it. I just, want to, I just want to cover a couple of things that I forgot last week because Mark and I were so excited about talking on the podcast together. Um, I forgot to read out important things. And the first thing I forgot to read out, well, I forgot to read out the Apple reviews. And I'm going to start with that. And it's a very weird thing for me to start with, but I'm going to start with that today while Marco and Steve start working out what they're going to talk about. Um, we have two Apple reviews since I shut down everything uh, and I forgot to read them out, like I said. So Porsche Cooled is loved. I have listened to the Porsche Cooled podcast and will remain a subscriber with that hope that Michael and Steve will return for an encore. Michael, I hope you find your 912 and Steve finds the perfect 997 GT3 exhaust. That's from Jeff in Sydney. Uh, we all know who Jeff is. Jeff's got the beautiful 912 that he just had uh, resprayed. Um, oh, is that Jeff? Um, what's he? Um, Akuna Bay Jeff? Akuna Bay Jeff, yeah. So you saw yeah, that. Okay. Um, yeah, you saw the... Um, uh, who sent it to me? Miff sent it to me, actually, from Sydney. Miff sent me the picture of Jeff's car at uh, the Order House Cars and Coffee. Were you guys there? Mm-hmm. Negative. Mm. Why didn't you go? Marco. He was washing my hair. Okay. <laughs> He's got plentiful, no, we, bountiful hair. It, it didn't work. It didn't, didn't work. work? No, I'm going to be no, honest. We, we, we opted yeah. to drive instead of look at cars and mingle. Fair enough. Second one. Let me just finish this one and we'll get into it. Really good podcast. Uh, I just recently came across this podcast and I'm making my way through the older episodes. Michael and Steve are very knowledgeable about all things Porsche and have great chats about driving and upgrading their cars. The owner stories episodes are really cool. It's very interesting to hear about how people got into cars and why they bought their Porsche. Um, that's from Obear One. That's from Tom. Tom's coming up on uh, owner stories. I've recorded Tom's story already, and it's a good one. And Tom's from Canada, so he'll be uh, he'll be in a future owner story in a f- couple of weeks. I think it is a couple of weeks. So, did you know that there is a purpose of crypto in the world, Steve Marco? To buy cars. To buy cars. So you know, like in London, I've noticed a lot of um, dealers take crypto. And I know Uh what you said, Steve, it fluctuates so much. How do they work it out? I don't know. They seem to do it through BitPay. But the thing I found online just before I came on with you guys is that you can actually buy a Porsche now with uh, crypto. A Porsche dealer 
in the US is actually taking um, crypto as payment. I think it might be the first one. That's why they made such a big deal about it. So you can buy your uh, 911 or your Taycan or your Macan with uh, crypto. Would you do I that, think, Steve? I think Mark and I were having this chat with you um, about, I think he and I are sort of relatively on the same page in terms of being just completely naive to crypto. Like, I don't really get how it works. I sort of understand the basic principle of it. But my main thing um, about that is like, because because doesn't like the price of it, like an exchange rate, doesn't it fluctuate so wildly that at any given time, you know, like if you kind of went, hey, this car is worth two and a quarter of a million dollars, doesn't that equivalent crypto two and a half million dollars sort of change so wildly that, you know, like... Um, how do you actually kind of set that, like the equivalent crypto amount? I guess it's at that point in time, isn't it? I mean, it's at that point in time. So when the when the coins are transferred from your wallet to the dealer's wallet, it's at that point in time. So they obviously have the US value of the car. I mean, the guy mm-hmm. on YouTube, um, Carl, I can't remember his last name. He has a um, he has a uh, uh, crypto channel. I think it's called Carl the Moon or something. He's only like 24. Most some people might have heard of him before. He's on, like you said, he's on YouTube. He bought a Bugatti with um, crypto, with Ethereum. I hate him already. And he bought a GT3 RS. He lives in Dubai. He's Swedish, I think. Made his way up from working more. in a supermarket, and he bought a GT3 RS black gold wheels as well. <laughs> but they told him the price, what the price was. I think from the video when I watched it, it was the price was in US dollars, whatever it was, 120,000 US or whatever, 130,000 US or AED if you're in Dubai, whatever the money was, and then. I guess in that point in time when they transfer the Ethereum, it's what the price of Ethereum is at that point in time. So therefore, the dealer, if they take the money in Ethereum and Ethereum drops 20% straight away, well, then they lost 20%. But if they're not going to sell the Ethereum and that's not the purpose and the purpose is long-term and they just hold on to it, I guess it's not a problem. And also, you can... You know, you can earn money from it as well. You can earn return from your Ethereum and make reasonably good interest on crypto, like 7%, 8%, 7%. Yeah, this anyway. is this is why I was sort of, sorry, I was asking questions about it because it would sort of, I mean, you know, I won't try and get my head around it, but it would, it would make sense if they were accepting it at a lower rate, if that makes sense. Mm. That Probably, to me yeah. would be worth their while of doing, you know, in, in dealing with crypto. And um, I don't know. I just I I don't get it. But if um, Porsche is stepping up to it, then I'd say there'd be a few following. Well, I don't know. It's a it was a Porsche dealer in. I mean, I kept the the article somewhere. It was a Porsche dealer in the U.S. I'm not sure what state it was in the U.S. in Baltimore, actually. A Porsche dealer in Baltimore. So official Porsche dealer as well. Not a like because when I first saw the article, I thought it was just like a you know prestige dealer or something but it's actually an official porsche dealer so i guess porsche is okay with that if you're a dealer you have to sort of abide by their rules right so they must be okay so i'm guessing it's going to happen all the way through anyway i thought that was interesting seeing that anyway hey um have you guys listened to owner stories have you listened to amanda's story no i haven't god what steve i haven't yet i just woke up you just woke up no no I haven't slept in like four days, so but I don't think it's uh, it's we're recording on a Wednesday morning. I don't think it kind of came up in my feed yet, anyway. Just so the listeners know, we're actually recording this. It's uh, I'm in London. It's twelve thirty-seven a.m. 
I feel like I'm doing late night radio. It's 12.37 a.m. I feel like I should be playing some slow move Eagles or something. I don't know. It feels like that. Can I ask stories. you a question, Michael? <laughs> yes. You can put your hand do up. Do you take crypto? Do you take, sorry, Banshee or hand up? Um, <laughs> do, you take, do you take crypto for your Patreon? Patreon doesn't take crypto. I'll take crypto from anyone if they want to give it to me. I don't have a problem taking it. Okay. <laughs> What's one crypto worth? What is a crypto? I don't know. One which one? Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum at the moment Roughly. is twenty seven hundred US. It's dropped. It was about thirty. It was about three thousand. About twenty seven hundred US at the moment. I okay. only know it in US. Sorry, I keep it. I keep track of it all in US. Um, so Portugal donor stories this week. Uh, Amanda. Number 72 of the Owner Story series. Like I said, the whole point of starting this podcast up again was because I had a lot of people who still wanted to be on Owner Stories. Um, Amanda reached out to me, or I reached out to, I can't remember actually, before I stopped the podcast um, and then I couldn't put her on because I wasn't doing any more episodes. Amanda's got a good story. She's from Colorado in the US, um, Arctic Metro, Arctic.Metro on Insta, and the YouTube channel is also Arctic Metro. Amanda's story, guys, is really, really good. She's got a 02 Carrera 4 cab, 996 manual. She had a, her and her husband had a 07997 turbo black manual, fully, almost fully loaded car, carbon. Um, she said the carbon was going a bit brown, actually. It was sort of changing color, some of the carbon inside the 997. It wasn't holding up that well. Yep. Sold the turbo for the Spider, but only sold the turbo once they had the allocation for the Spider because they ordered it from new from Porsche Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amanda's got the uh, Shark Blue. She optioned it in Shark Blue, lightweight buckets. Very, very cool, Steve. Marco, very, very cool. cool. Um, have a look at her Instagram anyway. It's arctic.metro. Um, and that is Porsche Good Owner Stories this week. So make sure you go and uh, give Amanda a follow. I'm not going to give too much away. I always say it, but I'm actually not going to give too much away today. Oh, but yeah. it's, a really, it's a really good story. And Amanda takes really good photos of her spider. Um, her spider and also um, Pig's Porsche. Bennett Pig's Porsche, um, they take really good photos. Um, both have spiders, different generations, but both have spiders. Very, very cool. She cool. does. I jumped on her um, Instagram. Very good pics. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. Really and she good. drives the cars. You know what was funny? I'll tell you a funny mm. bit of it, actually. They had, like, sensible cars. Like, she had, you know, they had sort of sensible cars, BMW, sensible sort of performance cars. When they got into the German cars... Um, then they sold, you know, her X3 M40i and her husband had a 3 Series something, one of the M Series, 3 Series, I can't remember what it was called. Um, and they sold them both to get, and they got, and they just had two 911s in their garage in Colorado. So they put snow tires on the car and they were using it basically as their daily cars. So so it's very, very cool. It's supposed to be really good in snow, aren't they? Porsches have traditionally been um, brilliant in sort of crap weather. Yeah that um, rear end traction and stuff like that. Exactly. The weight over the rear wheels helps. There's that really good um, Volkswagen. There's a really old um, DDB ad um, for Beatles, like back in the 60s. And it showed a car stranded footprints and then it led to a Beetle. Um, okay. Because obviously, like, because it's air-cooled plus engine over the back. And it wasn't sort of stranded. I can't remember the headline, but it was um, making that point of obviously just sort of how bulletproof and how it was something like you know what does the what does the um, guy that plows a snow drive or something like that. Um, oh, really right. I've seen that. I think yeah. 
I really yeah. like what Jeff Swart said, actually. You know, we all, I mean, hmm. Jeff Swart has got the life. He's had the life. Still having the life. Still. Um, <laughs> he's not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the life. But I was listening to him on Smoking Tire. Did you listen to him when he was on Smoking Tire? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool how he said, you know, he's always had Porsches in his life because his parents, his father had a 356. Mm. And when his father had the 356, it was just the family car. It was just the car they yeah. drove. It wasn't anything special. It, you know, got dirty and whatever. And I just did a, a, an owner's stories uh, with Greg, who's coming up. And his 356, he's got the photos of it before he owned it. He's the third owner. Uh, and it's got the photos in, you know, whatever year it was, and it's just in the driveway of someone's house, and it's just covered in dirt, and it's just, you know, right. driven and just not a special thing. You know what I mean? And there's something nice about that, about Porsches, how they yeah. were how they were just that sort of car, and how now they've just become this unobtainable almost, you know, craziness. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's something that you – it's just so so precious that you can't sort of touch it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, um, I used to work with a German lady who got in the back of my old 964 once, like I was working in an advertising agency, and she she sort of loved it so much because she sort of said, oh, I grew up in one of these, and, you know, I went down the autobahn, and I can remember the smell and the sounds and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, um, really? I don't know. It'd be nice if, like, you know, our kids kind of had those sorts of memories, except my, my car doesn't have back seats, but it sort of feels bit more like a Porsche is a precious sort of thing that you don't necessarily kind of grow up in and kind of go and take family holidays and stuff. These days, it's more like a cars and coffee type thing, I guess. But Was that was yeah. that your decision, Marco, to buy a, a, the turbo so because it, it has back seats and you can take your daughters in the car? Not at all. <laughs> Not can at I all. ride in the back? No. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. once once and it's 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 okay for short yeah. distances it's not too bad short trips yeah. um but no not at all to but to add to the whole 356 as as i mentioned in the last pod michael the romance of driving something like a 356 you know back then they were just they were just the family car they were the car that you use but to actually have one now and do the same that's Uber cool. I'd, I'd love to be able to do that. Um, and obviously take care of it, but, you know, being it, it's it's kind of hard when it's a nice shiny car and you all you do is take it out to cars and coffee and just stress about it. It's huh. um, it's nice when you can just relax, get in it, go it to Coles, go to your cars and coffee, do whatever you like and really enjoy Strap it and the kid, drop the kids off. Well, yeah. 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 Go camping in it. Exactly. And that's why Jeff Swart, I mean, obviously he's got a lot of cars, right? He's got a lot of special Porsches. But the fact that oh. he just takes that 356, you know, he, they take it out with a canoe like Steve just said. You know, he's 914, you know, he just had it since he, he bought it new in the 70s. You know what I mean? He just drives it. The other guy on Instagram, is it Mark Preambic or Mark Preambic? He's got the, the greeny sort of shade 356 that just drives it and it's got patina. You know that guy? Uh, I think it's Mark Mark Preambic or something like that. He does the same thing. He just drives it and enjoys it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And that's why I said, you know, even like what um, PJ's doing with his PJ in the UK, um, who was on his stories before with his 356A, how he's like fixing, you know, sort of outlawing it a bit and doing stuff at Flat 6 Jack. I think it's great. As long as you drive these yeah. cars. But like you said, you drive it to Cars and Coffee and you're worried that the, that the, 
the next the GT3 RS that's going to park next to you is going to slam their door into your side. That's kind yeah. of how it is, isn't it? Which is, you know, I don't know. Actually, I'll throw in I'll throw one Instagram handle in there at Hummel H U M B L, um, and he's got two of them now. He's got a Speedster and a hardtop, and he does he does exactly that. He he just gets in, enjoys them, really good vids, and picks on his um, Instagram as well. So check him out. Yeah, it's a good Instagram actually. I've seen that one. I have mm. actually shared some of his images. It's a great um great Instagram. Um, let me just go back to the usual. Let me just get this out of the way, and we'll get into the conversation. Patreon. I just want to say thank you. Last week I might have come across a little bit like a ass, but I wasn't trying to be an ass. And I made the point that a lot of people have dropped out of Patreon. A lot of people have re-signed up to Patreon, um, so I really appreciate it. And there's also two new members. So I think we've had six... It tells me I've had six new members of Patreon, but I know that uh, four of them are people who have been on been a member before. Uh, and I'm just going to mention your names really, really quickly. Tyler, thank you. Matt, uh, thank you. Stephen from Sydney. We all know Stephen. Thank you. And Lloyd today as well. And then two new members, Brian and Andrew. Um, so thank you so much for joining Porsche Cooled. If you want to support the podcast for as long as it's here, you can go and go to patreon.com. Someone asked me the other day, I was recording, they didn't know how to do it. Patreon.com, search Porsche Cooled or just go patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. Where are we? Steve. Oh. And Marco, do you want to yeah. do you want to start with a recommendation? Sure. Have you got one? Who wants to first, who wants to go first? Steve or Marco? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. This is coming across a bit stilted, so let's just keep rolling. Um, yeah, I know <laughs> a little bit. Uh, it's because there's three of us, so we're kind of hesitant to talk over the top of each other and make banshee noises. But um, it's cool. We'll get the hang of it. Um, we were talking before about. I think I shared it with you guys. Um, the Sam Moore's podcast, he did one recently where he got um, Jonathan Benson in from Tire Reviews. Right. Uh, and I bet you didn't sort of watch it. Oh, sorry, listen to it. But if you're into tires, like that Jonathan Benson guy is pretty cool. Like um, he's got his own YouTube channel. So like, A, I'm recommending that particular podcast um, because like the banter between them and it's kind of interesting. He just sort of explains how he tests tires and all of that sort of stuff. Like he's you know, very proper with it. Um, but then he's got his own sort of YouTube channel. So if you could be bothered, um, kind of go and watch that as well. But, you know, he sort of talks about like the difference between like an N-rated tyre um, or, you know, like on a BMW, it's star-rated versus a star-rated PS4S versus a PS4 and, you know, all of that type of thing. So I kind of found, I find like if you are in that sort of position where you're... Um, looking for tires and stuff like that. Um, I reckon that's a pretty good source to kind of get what seems like fairly independent kind of opinions on it. What's his name again, Steve? Uh, Jonathan Benson. It's tirereviews.com. Tirereviews.com. Well, that's... Or tirereviews on um, YouTube. His YouTube channel is pretty good in English. And look, the interesting thing is... Um, I'll, I'll give away one little bit. Like um, everybody, including myself, bangs on about PS4s as being sort of like the best, Mich you know, the Michelin um, to kind of put on your Porsche. And he kind of goes, they're really great tyre, nothing wrong with it. But he, you know, he actually thinks, um, I think he kind of opted for a Conti, a Con Sport Conti 5 or 6, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
yeah, like, I don't know, just interesting if you're into kind of tyre stuff. Yeah. I, cool. Back to that podcast, though. Sam Moore? Sam Moore's, isn't it? I always get confused. Moore's. Sam Moore's. Yep. Yep. I like his podcast. I do listen to him, and I have got yep. that on my saved save things to listen when I go for my uh, run walks. I find his podcast, though, I find sometimes I can't listen to it because it, it's, it's all a bit slow and it doesn't keep me moving. You know what I mean? Um, mean I started... Like I started listening to another guy, another podcast, and it's not automotive. Sorry, Mark, I'll let you go in a sec. It's not automotive. And it's not my recommendation. It's not automotive. It's called Lex Friedman Podcast. Have you heard of Lex Friedman or nope. Friedman? No. I've been listening to a couple of his. They're kind of a bit different. But if you, if you want something different to listen to, I mean, he's done a few on crypto and stuff as well, but I've actually listened to him. So I thought that was quite good. Marco, what have you got? What, what do you recommend this week? Okay. Um, I recently, I don't know how I stumbled across this guy. Um, might have been on Instagram. He, well, I'll start off with his name, Ricardo Fine Car Artwork. Have either of you heard of him or seen his yeah. work? Funny that you should say that. I've got a secret for you, Marco, which I'll tell you about later. What is it called? Yeah. Ricardo what? Ricardo Fine, fine Artwork. Car. Yeah, or yeah, Fine Artwork or Fine Car Artwork. Right. He goes under. And uh, let me just say that when I found him, I I bought quite a few quite a few prints. Um, he's a very talented guy. Numbered numbered prints, but gee whiz, he he put some good artwork up. His Instagram's quite good as well. He he's got some little short videos of artwork that's coming up and how he puts other things together. He's a really talented guy. He's over in Portugal. Postage and packing and everything is great. Faultless. Have you got it yet? Really, really good. Have I got them? Yeah. yeah, I've got, yes, yeah I've got four of so them. they're all Porsche related or just um, car related? No, just F one. You get you get vintage sort of stuff. You get a fair bit of Porsche in there as well. Rally. There's all sorts of rally stuff. His rally stuff's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does he charge a poster? Oh, gee, good question. It was a little while ago. I think they're at about sixty or seventy euro. I think. Okay, so not cheap. Not cheap. No, no, but well worth it. Well worth it. Really, really good artwork. So, um, okay, yeah. That's What's the website? What's the website? Ricardo Fine Artwork. Okay, so that's two. I didn't really have a recommendation, so, <laughs> so I was a little bit lazy. I'm going to recommend an article, an article that I sent to Marco and Steve uh, today, I think. An article that I came across last night in my, my dire search of finding out more and more information about 993s, which I should just ask Steve, but he's been busy. Um, and I came across this, uh, a guy's link on uh, 911 UK forum that had all this stuff on 993s. And a mass in the, in the mass of all the, of the documents was an article called, from the Porsche Panorama magazine in December 20, uh, 2004, The Art of Driving by Rick Bai. And this article, I thought it was quite a good article, and I'm not going to give it away. Um, if anyone wants a link, I can... <laughs> I'll give you the link. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast, actually, of, of the guy's um, the guy's post on that forum, and you can get it yourself. But Rick Byer is a professional driver, right? He's a 30-year-old veteran of professional motorsports. He's Canadian, I think. 
um, and he has all levels of racing as a driver. I thought it was quite interesting because he talks a lot about, I think it was, people were talking about this article because it was about Tiptronics, people who own Tiptronics in 993, Steve, saying that the Tiptronics were a, were just as good as the manual and the Tiptronics <laughs> have those five, <laughs> and the Tiptronics have the five levels and something about yep. if it's on a track, there's a video and I, I can't remember where I saw the video and I saw it last night, I didn't save it a video where the guy's on the track in a 993 Tiptronic and he's just flooring it. And because he's uh-huh. on the track and because he's in that really high rev range, the, the mapping of the Tiptronic is at uh-huh. its best. You know what I mean? So they're showing how good this Tiptronic could be. And they're saying when yeah, you're right. on the road, when you're on the road, and he talks about it in that article, he talks about driving as well, but he talks about that side of it, uh, Marco, as well. Uh-huh. That, but that if you get it, you just got to, something you have to do with the throttle or whatever to get it into this mapping so it's in not in the sluggish mode because when it's in the sluggish mode it really is shit it's not good at all it does feel sluggish yeah because um marco's father-in-law my uncle um had pretty much the identical 993 to me i had a manual and he had a tiptronic and whenever i jumped into his car i just sort of found it really slushy and lazy kind of thing but i mean not that it fang the thing yeah i was about to say I never really fanged it kind of thing, but it just didn't sort of lost all the kind of urgency and immediacy in it. Yeah. It and did. It, um, sorry, Michael. Go, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. It, um, I do remember him saying very similar things um, in that the car does adapt to the driver. And, yeah. you know, the whole kick down thing, you know, I toyed around with all that sort of stuff. But um, I don't know. I sort of, you know, it's all, I mean, you can make it work. But um, don't know. I'm I'm a manual guy all the way. It is it is sluggish. It does yeah. feel sluggish. But yeah, I think reading in reading his his article on a track, obviously, it'd be very different. You can really play around with it. And he did mention that he had to. It took him two or three laps. Two worth or three of, laps. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Teaching the car. Yeah. Teaching the car how to how to sort of perform. You know, and he wasn't even using the Tiptronic mode. That was purely in drive, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a that video I watched last night was fantastic. It was it, you didn't you, you wouldn't know it was a tip. He wasn't changing, so you knew it wasn't a tip. But it was it sounded really good, and it was it was going. Um, mm. But Andrew, who's been on owner stories before from nine eleven nine eleven South, he told me yeah. I think a similar thing in that that episode when we we spoke a long time ago. That the Tiptronic he he bought a Tiptronic and he brought it back from Canada. Um, and he said the same sort of thing that it when, once he, once he got it out onto the twisties in the in the hills, it was actually he could get quite a bit from it. It wasn't that bad. Do you know what I mean? I guess driving around town, it's no great. You know, it, it'll just be in that sluggish mode. But when you get it out and you actually sort of rasp it out a bit, you know, it's it's much much better. Anyway, I thought it was an interesting so you article. Can, you're considering this, sorry. You're considering this. I'm, I consider everything that's cheaper, Marco. Like I look for things that are, you know, I'm trying to save money. Mm, yeah. Go for the manual. You know me. I'm just, I'm on this. Sorry, sorry, Tiptronic I'm on people. this gathering information. I'm on this gathering right information on. task that Steve has heard so many times before. <laughs> um, and I haven't forgotten about the 912. And actually, I'm going to say about the 912 and I send it to you, Marco, or, or, and to Steve. But... Yeah. Uh, uh, Mark, sorry, Mark, Mark from the UK, who's got the Cassis Red nine uh, eleven. He sent me a link uh, yesterday or today of his friend's car that's for sale on Classic Cars or whatever UK or whatever that site's called, the slate grey mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Beautiful car. 
I mean, it is. 65,000 pounds for a 912. I know that's the value of the of restored 912s, but you know, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But it is, I'll still but say it's it. I think you're, yeah, I was going to say it. I reckon mm. for you, somebody like you or me, who doesn't really know which end of the spanner to hold and all that sort of stuff, I would be um, saying don't get a project car, get something completely restored, something you can just jump yeah. into and sort of basically kind of drive away in it. And I think that's the car. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if you have the money, that's the car. Anyone that's listening that wants one, that I think that's the car for sure. It and is, it's a great car. Seriously, got to con- you've, you've got to consider all of that because you won't be driving a car that's going to – or that, you know – you, you really don't want a car that's going to let you down that isn't going to look the part. So you will be spending that money anyway or more. Yes. So, you know, it's always, I think it's just if you can, obviously, you you just try and make it an overall great experience and buy something that's turnkey. You get in it and you enjoy it the day you get it. Um, unless unless you're, you you enjoy the whole you know, tinkering with and, and you know, chasing things up and buying different parts and modifying and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think it just makes makes more sense when you you know that that's what you're going for anyway. I would, I would definitely look for something like that. But that's the reason, and I think you said it last week, Marco, that's the reason why you bought your um, V-Dub, right? Because that one was sorted. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's um, – and – more for time as well. I mean, I'll still tinker with it. Um, and, you know, not that that hasn't, that's already given me a little bit of a, a hiccup, quite a big hiccup actually. Um, <laughs> they all they all need tinkering, which is fine. So I'll put my twist on it because it's modified anyway. It's not a standard car. Um, I'll just keep adding to it and I'm happy to do that. It's just that, you know, I don't have the time for the full, restoration and dealing with trimmers and painters and all yeah. that sort of stuff and the effort that's involved. But I think, I think for you, you know, it's sort of, it always makes sense going for something cheaper, but you will end up spending crazy amount of money. So I, if you find something that you like and the money is there anyway, that's the way, that's the way I'd go. I'm sounding like an old guy, but it's like, it's like those, I've never you know, said this old. before. No, but it's yeah. like the Steve. You, I don't know whether you heard this from last week, but it's like the nineteen three mm. Targa. There's that one at forty four, which I think I sent both of you, and there's the ones yeah. that are sixty five, and sixty five are the mm. ones that are more sorted. You know what I mean? Fifty nine mm-hmm. to six. This is pounds we're talking here. Sixty five thousand pounds. Um, I think that is even more than what they were new. I think in nineteen ninety seven they're about sixty one thousand pounds new, so it's past the, the actual retail price. <clears throat> but you know, the forty four thousand one obviously needs a lot of work because the seats are all terrible and this is the choices you know this is the choices you make do you want to save money now but then you're going to eventually you're going to pay for it right eventually you're going to have to pay for it somewhere along the line but it's exactly. that instant yeah. gratification isn't it it's that like what you said marco you get your car i mean you've got your beetle now right it's arrived you've got it in your driveway yes oh yeah it's arrived so you know but you've got that car and you've got that instant gratification you can look at it it looks really cool it's got porsche fuchs wheels on it so it's almost like mm-hmm. another porsche mm-hmm. <laughs> Mini me. <laughs> What's the history behind those wheels? Tell me why. Tell me why people with beetles put um, Fuchs on them. Um, just period correct, I suppose. But there's in the in the Volkswagen world, there's this thing called the cow look, which all started in California, 
and it was it was very popular to have fox wheels on your car. And this was uh, late seventies, eighties, um, pretty much getting rid of all the chrome and putting fox wheels on your car or similar. Um, Are they original? Four wheels as well. I think they were. Um, some 914 wheels that people would use. They are originals, yes. Yeah, they are originals. And um, I was saying to Steve the other day, the the first Beetle that I that I um, modified and did myself, that had original Fuchs wheels as well and they were polished. And I wish I'd kept them um, because that was my, you know, the, my love for Porsche has been, you know, since, since I was a child. And... You know, that was a. I just felt like I had a, a bit of Porsche had I held on to them. You know, yeah. I mean, now I'm I'm happy that I I've got the turbo and all that sort of stuff. But they were pretty special wheels. So to find this car with with all of that sort of stuff on um, and done properly, it was yeah, it was it was pretty good. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's a very. I mean, after we spoke last week, I, I looked at the images why I sent you the message, and it's very very cool. It's very very cool, mm. and you know. For the money you paid for it, I think it's worth it. Like, it looks really good for the money. Yeah, yeah, well worth it. And, yeah, well worth it. But it does, it did have a bit of a, issue. an issue. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which you expect that, though, don't to. you? You expect that, don't you? Oh, uh, not these sorts of really? issues. Not the not the previous owner's fault at all. Um, but, um, yeah, we can go on about that later if you like. Okay. Steve, speaking of issues, everyone wants to hear about your. Everyone wants to hear about My your issues. GT. Everyone wants to hear about your issues. Your GT3. I don't think we mentioned it last week. I've got many issues. Let's talk about the GT3 because this thing, you know, a lot of people because of I think we keep saying it on this podcast, but a lot of people are watching Friends Green Porsche, and a lot of people yep. notice that in Friends Green Porsche they're very big on changing, fixing water pumps and replacing water pumps when they do those checks on the cars. Tell the listeners what happened um, with your little journey to see your folks yeah, and, and what happened with I the car. So I hadn't driven the car in quite some time. Um, weather's, even since you left Sydney, um, weather's still been pre- pretty kind of bad. Like it's only just sort of fined up maybe the last week, really. Um, so there was a little window. I'd been trapped at home, kids screaming, all of that sort of stuff. Like my world has been sort of fairly even more isolated to a degree. So I had a little window and it's like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to take the car out. I hadn't driven it in maybe two and a half weeks, maybe. Right. Um, my parents live about 40 minutes from where we are. So I just sort of thought, oh, stuff it. I'll just take the car out, jumped in it, went down the street. I noticed sort of maybe about 10 minutes into the, um, 10 minutes into the drive, I looked in my rear window and I could see the guy behind me talking to his wife, partner, whatever, sort of pointing his finger and stuff. And I sort of thought, oh, maybe he's just admiring the car. But then in the same sort of thing, I just sort of noticed some sort of white smoke or steam out the oh, back really? of my car. Didn't, I thought you said he was laughing. Think... I thought you said the guy was pointing and know, laughing. No, could have been. He could have been. He could have been going, that wanker, look, his car's kind of going to, that car's about to let go. And um, Serves him right. Yeah, it could have been that, but I didn't think anything of it. I just, I literally just sort of thought, oh, yeah, I just noticed in the corner of my eye that this guy was just sort of saying something about the car, drove off, went down um, one of the motorways and then I'm sort of about eight minutes from my parents' place and I get the coolant alert warning on my, um, what was it, low coolant? Yeah, low coolant 
alert warning on the dash and right. it's like oh god what's this like i've had it before when the um when the coolant pipes let go um so you know like because you're on the motorways like oh that's not great just keep going take it easy just and watched the um temperature gauge the engine temperature is always kind of um going along i knew it wasn't far from mum and dad's pulled over by the side of the road went out the back of the car and there's just like pink splattered all over the kind of engine bay the rear bumper look under the car and like i'd literally kind of stopped the car on the side of the road and it was um sort of vomiting like coolant like it was literally kind of dripping um so sort of had a little kind of mini freak out trying to figure out what to do knew i couldn't drive it um like whatever happened i was going to be stranded at my parents um gave Marco a little call because I had to kind of figure out whether or not to park it in my parents' garage or leave it on the street. Um, Cause it was on the weekend. I knew that it had to be left there overnight. Um, had to get it towed, got it towed to order house and they sort of looked at it. Um, Chris there when I buzzed him on the Monday, just to sort of say, look, this is what's happened. Um, can I turn it over so it doesn't get dragged up on a flatbed, you know, like can actually drive it up and down the driveway and onto the truck? And um, the answer to that is yes. Like I'm, I am a mechanical idiot. I asked Marco the same question, but the coolant is obviously there to stop the car from overheating once it's kind of completely warmed through. But if you've got no coolant in your car, but, um, and you just need to kind of idle it and kind of get it up a tow truck, you know, go for your life, obviously. Um, got it to auto house. They sort of diagnosed it. Chris kind of picked it before they even kind of got into it, but, um, it was the water pump. The water pump had failed, um, which is a bit of a bitch, but you know, stuff happens. It's a, how old is the car? It's a 15 year old car. After that happened to you though, and I did the search for it, they say the water pump is the weak point. It is a weak point in 997. Yep. Yeah. Is it 996s you know, as well? Both, right? 997s and 996s? Assume so. More than likely would be, yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, cool, coolant seems to be a thing. Like, you know, like I kind of thought, oh, shit, like, but because the coolant pipes were done three years ago, yeah. you know, like I, I naively sort of thought, oh, okay, like I'm kind of sorted from a coolant kind of point of view. I never checked back then and... Uh, this isn't a slight against auto house. I'm not sort of saying because they did the pipes, they should have done the water pump. I guess they just sort of made the call at the time. Um, but, um, you know, like three years later, then it's a different sort of thing and the water pump had to kind of be replaced. Um, but in your head, though, did you kind of think it had been done because you had all those coolant pipes spinned? I, I kind of thought you had no. it done as well. That's why I thought, oh, what, what, why would it be something to do with the coolant when you've had everything fixed? I have had, I have read like tons of Renlist, Renlist posts specifically on a 997 GT3 that kind of says, oh, you know, like, because everybody kind of says the one thing that you have to do on a, on a Metzger um, 997.1 or 0.2 or a 996 GT3 or turbo um, is pin the coolant lines. Mm. And a lot of people kind of talk about that. And in the same breath, they, a lot of people do sort of say, yeah, look, if you're going to go and do it, you should kind of um, replace the water pump while you're there. At the same time. So, Marco, I guess this must worry you then with your car. uh, To be honest, well, when we were on the, I think I mentioned it to Steve as well, it it did get me thinking the next time I was out. But I I mean, look, there's just, 
only because that happened to him. I'm, I'm, look, I look at the temp gauge anyway. I keep my eye on it because my car yep. hasn't been pinned. It is something that's on the list. Um, not that I'm expecting it to go, but just just so I, I'm not as horrid when driving it. But um, look, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of coin with with um, water pumps. They can go. I mean, it's just it's just one of those. It's a it's a mechanical pump, you know. So yeah. seals can can let go. It's um, you know, it's sort of it, it happens all the time. Not only to Porsche, to to many many other marks. Um, but yeah, with with the whole moving onto tow trucks and all that sort of stuff, thermostat wouldn't have kicked in, um, which would have been fine. Which which means that the you know the coolant wouldn't have been an issue trying to run through the engine. Um, but yeah, look, it's on my mind. It always has been. It always has been, to be honest, because I know it's not done. Um, but- do I worry about it? Well, not really. I get in it and drive it. If something, if something is to happen, then I'd like to think that you know, with me keeping an eye on everything, and and you know, I'm fairly safe. But you know, I'm I'm not an idiot. I know that it can happen any time. What is the kilometres they're saying? I can't remember from the article because I remember I did a search after it happened to you, Steve. And what is the kilometres in the water pump goes? Is it 60,000 they're saying? 60,000 kilometres? Well, see, like, I don't think you're, it's obviously kind of generalisations and people's experience, but I was going to say, like, um, you know, like the car's almost 15 years old. It's got 90,000 K on it. Like, it's a world driven GT3, um, you know. Um, no idea in terms of like when, if you were going to sort of try to be preemptive and kind of do preventative maintenance, when yeah. should you kind of actually go ahead and sort of go and swap it out before something starts to kind of, you know, drip or like literally kind of break? Like it sounded a little bit dramatic, right? And it looked a little bit dramatic. I sent you both yeah, the, did. the video of it. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you know, the worst I was lucky because I was kind of close to home-ish, you know, like a home where the car could kind of stay, had to organise a towie and all of that sort of stuff. It wasn't really a, a, a big deal in the end. Like I think when you sort of read about coolant problems in um, in Metzger's, um, the dramatic thing is that if the, if the pipes literally kind of let go, like if they kind of, the fitting actually kind of comes out of the um, that little housing and it literally kind of dumps coolant all over your back wheels. And then if you've got somebody following you, um, that's where people sort of say, like, it's really that 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 is kind of prop, properly kind of dramatic. But mm, mm. Um, when my coolant pipes let go, it didn't, you know, that didn't happen. It just started to kind of drip um, and it lost coolant, but it didn't, you know, it didn't send me off into the hedges kind of backwards, if you know what I mean. And it didn't affect anybody behind me. So, so I think I that's think, dude sit behind me. Yeah. Don't, don't ever sit behind me. <laughs> well, see, the, the thing about your car, man, like, is, you know, it's an old car. Like, we all sort of expect stuff to kind of happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. I still kind of go, like, I've had quite a, it, like, with the benefit of hindsight now, this was, this happened maybe a month ago, is it? Yeah, about a month ago. Yeah, roughly um, I just kind of go, look, I've read enough about sort of, you know, 997 GT3s. So I kind of have this sort of little checklist in my mind of knowing what a lot of people kind of experience and 
Um, I've just sort of basically ticked off another sort of thing that I know that kind of basically happens in the course of owning the car. And you don't expect it to behave like a, you know, brand new car because it's not. Like it, it isn't going to be, you know, literally kind of bulletproof. But if you're yeah. doing, if, if you're pinning the, sorry, Marco, if you're pinning the coolant yeah. lines and yep. you're doing the water pump, yep. I mean, that must be what, about 8K? Seven or eight k? Uh, yeah, probably about that. I think maybe. That's a, big, know. Yeah. that's a big cost for preventative maintenance, isn't it? I mean, you have to sort of think twice, Marco. That's that's a lot of money just to. Yeah, but sorry, the, I I think well with me, it's not only the pinning of the lines. So I'd be I'd be looking at the clutch as well. Yep. Um, there are a few things on there, so it's not it's not just the pinning of the lines it's it there's a fair few things thrown in there and yeah it's going to be a big bill but i mean you know it's a pretty clean car and i don't expect i mean water pumps generally aren't that big a deal they just get replaced they're on the bill and they you know they they saw a little bit of weeping and they suggest you replace it i mean with in steve's case it sort of happened you know while he was out driving which sort of sucks but um Generally, they're just they're just one of those parts that you know that do need replacing. And seventy or eighty thousand Ks isn't you know it's it's not it's not a shock. Um, no. It's you know it, they work pretty hard. Yeah, as and a, your as a your car is so yeah. low kilometers though, isn't it? Your car is probably fine because it's so low kilometers. Yeah. Well, funny enough, I hit fifty thousand on our drive the other day. Oh, really? Yeah, milestone. Fifty thousand. Why do I think you're only in the thirties? How far have you gone in yours? Who, me? Um, no, Marco. Since he's on the car because he's not. Just under, just under 6,000 Ks, I think. Wow. That's, that's a lot. more than Michael. Yeah. That's yeah. more than I've it's done in five <laughs> years. What are you doing? <laughs> actually, I get out and drive it. I enjoy it. Actually, in three, I'll tell you how much I've done. I have done 40,300 when I bought it, 56,200 now. Yeah, that's crazy. I'd do that in like mm. eight months. So what's that? Sixteen thousand. But I did three. Oh, I did three thousand three thousand three hundred kilometers when I was back. So it's quite a lot. That's good. Yeah, that was yeah, a lot. Good. See, I get the car it. needs it though. It does. The car it needs, needs it. Yeah. It does. It does. The cars cars aren't meant to. I mean, with all the rubber seals, and I'm, I mean, with you did take it into auto house to yeah. get a whole bunch of things corrected. And yep. most of those will be rubber seals that are usually, um, you know, have some sort of oil or something yeah. running on them or over them to keep them fresh, you know. So they're, they're just, you know, it's not great to have a car, you know, sit around too long. But, um, I mean, in your case, you can't do much about it. But um, yep. get out and drive them. Get out and drive them. Yeah, well, this time it won't be as long, so yeah. it'll be fine. Speaking of that, just um, just to round that out though, just yes. um, in case anybody is interested in listening, so you kind of go, <laughs> hey, when you sort of swap the water pump out, what else do you do whilst that's being done? Yes. Um, there's a there's a couple of the drive belts classically gets done when you do that, and there's um, two roller roller bearing type things and a tensioner yeah. as well that Tensioners, I have done. Yeah. Um, the rollers weren't mandatory. That was a question I put to Auto House at the time. And they just said, look, you know, we'll have a look at it when we kind of open it up. We shouldn't really turn leave the engine 
but at this kind of mileage, et cetera, like um, it's one of the things to kind of look at. And I opted to do it because it would have cost me, like if I waited, it would have cost me like another 1200 bucks in labor. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Like, and that's just that. It's the classic thing of, you know, like, like what Marco was sort of saying, when you kind of pin the coolant lines, well, you got to drop the engine. So therefore you naturally look at the clutch and yeah, yeah. I don't know, again, being not super mechanical, you know, you ask that question and you sort of trust your um, your mechanic kind of thing. But if you start reading that shit online in terms of forums, like the whole while you're in there sort of thing can be ridiculously long if you kind of get a bit kind of too crazy with your preemptive sort of maintenance. Yeah, so, it, is, it is. Things things like the pulleys, sorry, Michael, things like the pulleys, um, and belt and all that sort of stuff when you get new new pumps with fresh bearings and usually they sort of they like to do it it goes hand in hand because then you get you can't put an old belt on it's it's been on there for a while running mm-hmm. at different tension obviously they can loosen up so it sort of makes sense and they're, they're not big ticket items um, but yeah I can sort of see what you're saying with the whole searching online you can you can really be spooked by what you know people think or what they've had done yeah. and what they think people should be doing. Um, and I sort of try and look past that and keep it at. I know clutch is a no-brainer. Get get a new clutch in there, um, as well as you know, obviously pinning the lines. Water pump, I'll sort of look at as well, you know, and I'll just go off what um, what what I house think yeah. uh, when it comes to that as well. It's just more like. Um... I reckon just with that though is because um, the bills start to kind of add up. Like once you kind of go, oh, yeah, okay, kind of throw that in and throw this in and do this and do that. Like, you know, what was like, I won't um, I won't divulge the actual kind of cost of my bill, but um, when you start adding kind of little bits and pieces here and there, you are literally adding, you know, like you're talking about like not a couple hundred bucks, like you wind up adding like a grand or another two grand. Um, mm-hmm. So... It, it can get pretty hefty. Like, um, you know, like my, my car's been great. Like it has been really reliable. And in the eight years that I've owned it, um, we've talked about in a previous podcast in terms of how much maintenance money I've had to spend on it. Um, I think I've still been pretty kind of lucky and I've gotten, you know, like really good use out of the car in terms of the time and the actual mileage and I enjoy the hell out of it. Um, but you know, like the cars, the cars need looking after. And you know, mm-hmm. when something does go wrong, it isn't. Okay. I don't reckon it's necessarily cheap. Can we go back to that point about the cars need <coughs> looking after? Right. Um, mm. What I'm always confused with is that if you get a service done, and the service is to check your car, and to check your car to see issues that might be coming up. You know, you get mm. the list when you get your service done. These are the things we sh- you should do. Wouldn't that be something that, being a 997 or a 996, wouldn't that be something that would be looked over? Considering you had a service not that long ago. Yep. And they would have done the service. I, 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 it's still, and I'm not trying to bag order house, but I, I'm really surprised that they didn't pick this up. Like, it, there must have been some signs there, Marco. Do you know if there would be signs, Marco, or there's no signs at all for the water pump? Not always. Not always. You can get some seeping. Look, it's... Sometimes it's just potluck. The car's in for a service when, you know, things like the water pump are showing signs of, you know, giving up. Um, the water pumps water pumps can let go 
Um, okay. Just as they did with Steve, yeah. It's um, yeah. Look, I I mean they they would have checked they and and you know with with places like Auto House they know exactly what to check on what particular models as well. So, um, yeah. you know, and and in saying Auto House, there are many other specialists out there. They would they would have it on their checklist. But things parts like that sometimes are you you just you know it's it's not they won't always show um a sign of where per se. So is that similar to say, coil? Mark, is that Michael. similar to coils though? Is that similar to coils? Like the, the common thing with nine nine sevens, nine nine six. I think it's nine nine six. Is the cracked? How the coils get cracked, and they have to be replaced. Isn't that a thing that would be noticed to be checked, or does that just happen out of the blue? No coils. Coils. You should visual inspection. Yeah, especially well if they're if they're doing plugs and it's a major service then. That, that would be something that they'd be handling and, and have so, a look at, yeah. All right, so have you guys had your coils checked? Are your coils okay? Yes. Because, you know, it's a common done. thing where they split, right? I don't know whether that's on GT3 on the Metzger, but on the on the Carrera it is. Yeah, I've I mean, seen you know mine were replaced, right? Mine pushes. were just replaced. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if that's something that's come up in you, with you guys when you've had your services done that they've said all okay with the coils. Not necessarily, not in those words, no. Hmm. I don't know. It worries me a little bit. It worries me a little bit, these things, that they're things are, you know, <clears throat> sometimes things can get missed. No one's, you know, everyone's, everyone, no one's perfect. That's what I'm saying. No, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's the thing. You've got, to, you've got to trust your kind of um, mechanic, your indie, like, or whoever, if you're going to a kind of dealership sort of thing. You just got to trust the person that's kind of doing it. Like people make mistakes, like, you know, um, so, you know, I make mistakes in my job all the time and, you know, I kind of hope that people will kind of um, forgive me for being human sort of thing. Like I think the same the same respect is sort of warranted um, with mechanics, like, you know, people like Auto House kind of thing. Like, yeah, for, for sure they make mistakes and I'm not suggesting they've made a mistake with my car at all. Um, yeah. No, neither um, am I. Neither am I. I'm just saying yeah, that it's yeah. a I'm common just... thing they, that you should check, right? If it's a common fault area. That's why I was wondering if there's any telltale signs for, for water pump. No. And like I was going to say, like the other thing is that just sometimes shit happens too. Like it happened to me the service before where the car went in and then was it the wing, the window sort of thing happened or I can't even remember. But, like, you know, maybe yes. Was... Oh, was it the airbag? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was sheer coincidence. It wasn't because they opened the car up. It wasn't because they touched it kind of thing. It was just, you know, like absolute coincidence that like a week later um, something else kind of happens. So um, I don't think we can necessarily – I know we the thought might cross our mind, but I don't think we could necessarily always kind of go, hey, you know, shouldn't the mechanic kind of have a crystal ball yeah. and sort of tell us exactly what's going to go wrong and when but it's it- going wrong? But I guess it's like those horror stories horror stories you get, and there's been a few people oh. on owner stories with the PPI. That they get a PPI yeah. done, pick their car up, drive it home, and then, yep. you know, failure. Something happens, you know, yep. IMS, mm. ball scoring, whatever, you know, like they've yep. had these yep. these checks done and everything's okay and it's not okay. You know, so... Yeah, well, yeah. There's, there's no way around that, though. With a ball scoring um, inspection, um, you know, if they've... If they've if they've carried out that inspection, then all should be, and they've ticked it as okay, then it should be okay. In IMS, 
all they can really do is, you know, check oil and check filter and all that sort of stuff. Um, unless they're dropping the engine and yeah, but I think there was someone on owner stories. I'm sorry, who if he's, if the person is listening, I can't remember who it was. Who had the car had, apparently had had the IMS solution done? I think it had a PPI, and then there was a failure. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. But this comes back to the, something I was reading again last night, looking through all this 993 stuff, Steve mm. mm-hmm. and Marco, and and also I got a message from Stuart, um, Stuart, who's behind um, Luftwasser in Australia, and he sent I mean, me a message. He sent me a message and said, um, you know, about the 993. And he said, you know, if you think about getting one in the UK, because I think he's looking for a Testarossa or something as well in, in, to, to bring it back into Australia. But, you know, he said PPI, compression and leak down. Um, mm. And then he thought what I was saying about the cost last week was a bit high with, the tr- with all the importing. Because I think I said it was about 35K on top. I'm only using one calculator. Stuart could be right. I could be wrong. I just said I'm only using this one calculator. He thought it was a bit too high for the cost. But anyway, going back to the checks that you do, right, like uh-huh. in the UK or whatever, but wherever you're buying the car, is the 993, is that a safe way to know the engine's okay with the compression and leak down? Because you start going into the forums and you start going into that rabbit hole, we'll call it, even though I hate that word, go into the rabbit hole. And people are saying, you know, if it's if it's ten uh, percent, it's still okay. Some people are saying it shouldn't be ten percent. That means it's almost ready to be rebuilt. Is it five percent? How do you know what the what the baseline is? How do you know what to follow? Do you know what I mean? Um, forums and the internet are great, but they can also be really bad when you're trying to when you're looking at buying a car because all you're doing is doing all the research you can. Um, and research does, you know, does get um, infiltrated by people's opinions. Not always their experience, but you know, opinions. And you just look. You you got to be careful with with the PPI. I've, I, I had the PPI done at Auto House, obviously, and full trust. Basically, if you go into it, just you know thinking twice about it all and whether you can trust somebody and whether they're going to do the leak down test properly and all this sort of stuff. I didn't, I didn't get a bore score, um, done, um, over revving wasn't, they weren't able to do the over revving on my car because very early models, they couldn't get that, that, um, that data from them. All right. It, it just comes, it comes down to trust, you know, basically that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. You can do all the research, um, under the sun, but you've, you've, a lot of it is trusting the person that you're sending the car to. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but gut instinct and who you're buying off and all that sort of stuff. The forum stuff too is like, it's obviously generalizing kind of thing. Like it's such a specific kind of case. You've got to judge the car that's in front of you that you're sort of mm-hmm. kind of considering. Then you've got to throw into the mix. The other variable is the person that's sort of checking it out. But I'd still just kind of go, you know, like um, Marco and I, um, we've got a common cousin who we're sort of trying to get on the, a bit of a <laughs> shift from his M3 to his Porsche, right? Um, he won't have much of a clue kind of thing. And, like, I think you sort of have to understand, like, same thing, you're not buying a brand new car. So in terms of risk and probability and stuff, there is a good chance that something's going to go wrong. So you do have to kind of, you know, understand that. Like, you're buying a used car. Um, so there okay. is absolutely not kind of no guarantees. And if you're kind of going, Hey, I'm, 
I've got a limit of £50,000 to spend and I'm at my limit. If something goes wrong, I'm fucked, then don't buy the car. Like you. you've always okay, got to have. Here's a question for you then, Steve, because you, you owned the 993 for how many years? Yep. Seven years? No, 12 years. Sorry, 12 years. Sorry, I'm not. I'm thinking oh. about the, the GT3. Yep, yep. Um, 12 years. 12 years of yep. 993 ownership, right? Yep. 993 is, is, is pretty much out of reach to most of us, right? Yep. And I think we all like them. I mean, obviously, the 964 has had more of a sort of thing at the moment. Yep. The price of a base Carrera is something like, am I right in saying it's 230,000? I've seen them advertised for. 230,000 Australian. No They're 230, 229,000. I think there was one. Marco, did you see that? Some, some have popped up at that. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a really good 993 for sale on car sales. I think it's a really good one. Is that UK delivered one? UK one, the guy selling has reduced the price again to 155 or 159. Um, mm-hmm. the blue one with the with the grey interior, which I which I like oh, yeah. that interior with the hardback sports seats. That's I think yep. that's a bargain because the price I've worked out for a landed sixty five thousand pound car is about that price. So it's already so, landed. You don't have to worry about it, right? So the the car I mentioned, sorry, the car I mentioned last week, the nine nine three, or on the last pod, yes, that I was looking at. Um, I'm pretty sure is that exact car. Oh, really? I would buy yeah, that car. Yeah, that's the UK import. Yeah, it looks really, really Yeah, clean. I would buy the car. Beautiful and it's a car, C2. Great it's spec. A C2, and yeah. it's a C2. It's not a Targa. Mm-hmm. And the price of C2s yeah. now here are obviously, look, the Targa, Steve, as you know, is like about fifty nine sixty five, right? That's where you get a, getting a good, a good one. Some of them are more. Um, there's Sorry, really 59, good, 60, 65,000 pounds. pounds, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Carrera 4, there's a really good Carrera 4 at JZM or whatever it's called for 73,000 pounds. Uh-huh. You know, this Carrera 2, you're getting up even higher than that. You're getting higher than the Carrera 4. You know what I mean? So uh-huh. you, your prices uh-huh. are crazy. And like, I, I guess that justifies the price in Australia being about 220, 230, which people are trying to sell them for now for the 993, I think. Yeah. Right? Interesting. And that's not my question, though. My question is you've, you've yeah. owned yeah. a 993 for a long time. If someone's yeah. looking to buy a 993, you know, I've yep. been, I've just been doing my usual stuff that I always do. And, and I guess this is how I gather knowledge about different models too, by just, thinking I want to get one and then I go in and I start reading all the stuff, reading the manuals, yep. reading the, you know, last night I read a technical thing, which I've got open on my computer, the technical, technical information about the 911 Targa model year and about all the noises, the yep. five different noises that happen in, in the Targa roof and what the yep. dealer, the service dealer, what they should say to the customer and what they should do. Yep. That's on one You're of those documents. About TSB. It's a bulletin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's quite yep. it's quite interesting, right? Yeah, service bulletin. Yep. So yep. what would you, you know, this thing about doing the compression and on air-cooled or or even on water-cooled, this compression and leak-down test, what what would you do now if you were thinking, okay, I've, I've, I found a 993, it's not the one I had, I'm going to add it to my GT3. What would you, what checks would you do? Would you just do a basic PPI or would you do something more knowing that you, you kind of know what those little issues are with a 993? Can't, I don't, it's the same thing. I just don't think you can generalize. Like I think it depends on the car. And so call it me specifically. If a car came along, say like the blue, the blue on grey one that you're talking about, the UK import. Yes. If I was in the market for that and I wanted to kind of consider buying it, then negotiate with the owner, get to a price where we sort of feel like we're kind of all fair based on PPI. Um, in my instance, I'd have it sort of sent across to, um, to Order House. Now, it depends on the history of the thing, like, you know, because you're talking old cars now. So, like, 
when was the last time like has it had the um, bottom end on like what sort of what sort of work has been kind of done to it and by who um which is information that i would want to know but also like i think it would be relevant to somebody like auto house and then generally you'd kind of say to auto house tell me what you think and then if you think it needs like you know like the compression t- compression test done and all those sorts of things and the leak down get them get them to kind of wait up and generally i think i think that's what they may have sort of said to me once in the past where you kind of go oh with this ppi you're going to do a leak down and they'll kind of go we'll do a leak down if we think that it warrants it if if anything oh, suspicious right. kind of comes up and okay. you get you get them to kind of figure it out because like the older the car is like the more variables there are in in terms of like how well it's been maintained and stuff like that so i just don't think you can flat out sort of go hey if i'm going to go and buy a 993 that i definitely have to throw all of this money at it like in terms of inspecting it um to know for sure because there's not going to be any guarantees anyway yeah um but i was going to say when you're talking 993 before um and that that silver one that you sent um both of us that um seemed cheaper (laughs) my twenty thousand pounds cheaper yeah, my thing about that is I reckon there is no such thing as a cheap 993 personally. I mean, oh, well, mm. I'll, I'll say that here, like in Australia, because um, put into context you and like your sort of mindset and how handy and all of that sort of stuff and how fussy you are about stuff, like which is kind of pretty much on par with me, um, I just kind of go like if it's cheap, it's cheap for a reason. You're going to wind up just tipping money at that thing because you know like as soon as you kind of discover like the little spots of rust around the windscreen and you have to pull the windscreen out and if the windscreen cracks and did you have that issue yeah i did you did have the rust issue expensive fix yeah yeah, right so it's a common very common thing it's common Yeah, yeah, yeah it's common and it's tricky like you know like um use that as an example, like there's aftermarket windscreens, but you kind of want to use like the factory one. I don't even know mm, if they still mm. make them, but um, that has to be fitted really carefully because the reason why they corrode is that if they're not fitted properly, it rubs up against the paintwork um, and there's a little channel in there. Um, so people kind of fit like new gaskets and all of this sort of stuff. But 993s, um, brilliant, brilliant car, and they are reliable for what they are. Like, you know, it's a German sports car, blah, blah, blah. But when something goes wrong on that thing, like I started spending huge maintenance money on it. And yeah. um, it is a real, they're great cars and they are reliable. But at that point in time, like mine had what, 130,000K? 130,000K, and it was about 20 years old, I think, at the yeah. time where I finally let go of it but i was racking up some pretty monster bills like every every time i took it into auto house um you know on top of the kind of standard service um it was probably i was probably paying them a visit like twice a year and every time it would kind of go in there something else would kind of pop up Mm. and i'm not sort of saying that you have to kind of go and do it but with my headspace of like you know i love this car to bits i want it to be you know as good as it possibly can be I didn't say no to anything and I just poured money into it. Um, and I think that's the thing again. It's not, it's not that that means that um, if you kind of have a car and you find something wrong with it, but somebody hasn't done it, it doesn't mean that it's a bad car. It just, it, it, it's, in, it's in relation to the owner's kind of headspace because I'm that sort of person that wants it to be like perfect. And at that point in time, I had enough money just to kind of keep pouring it in, um, you know, 
if it was me right now, I'm so poor, like um, I wouldn't be it. pouring and I wouldn't yeah. be saying yes to everything. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's a big decision. But Marco, you just said, you know, you bought your Beetle just recently, mm-hmm. right? And you bought it from a reasonably well-known place, right? And I guess well, from, all the... Yeah, and, privately. Yeah, and all the checks were done. Oh, privately, sorry. And all the checks were done. So when you get the car, how did you... You said you had a surprise. So how did that... Is that... How did it get missed? You said it wasn't the owner's fault. So how did it get missed? You didn't do the the checks? You forgot you didn't want to do all the checks or just something happened since you started driving it? No, so something you learn, a big part of an older car or a car that's been restored is you are buying the the owner. And we do that with the Porsches, but more so with cars like that because, like I said, I I knew him. I'd met him a couple of times and I knew that he was – pretty fussy and going off all the all the things he had fitted to the car i could sort of see that he was pretty switched on didn't drive it much friday night i picked the car up on thursday and then friday night i got together with a couple of guys uh, other volkswagen guys and um you know caught up for some dinner and went out for a drive and dinner at uh, homebush and um i got back in the car and i thought i could smell uh fuel Right. Checked under the car, thinking it was coming out of the tank, but couldn't really see anything. So I thought, okay, well, I know that the carbies were pretty rich um, because there's, you know, there's a bit of a procedure getting this thing started, which was one thing that I was always going to address anyway in terms of jetting and sorting them out. But we sort of took off again, moved, and um, later on in the night, we parked up later on in the night, we're all sort of saying our goodbyes and I start the car and I was just about to take off and the guy behind me ran up to me and told me to switch it off. And, and that's not a good thing when you, right. <laughs> when you hear that. Um, so I turned it off and we got around the back and there was a shitload of fuel pouring out. Oh, what? So we lift up the, um, the deck lid and had a look and basically one of the carbies was just pouring out fuel straight over the spark plugs and down onto the exhaust. Oh, right. Which is a recipe for, yes. you know, fire and, and loss of car. So right. I was really lucky to have found that. So here we are at, oh, that was probably half past midnight. Right. Uh, luckily, I packed some tools and a couple of the other guys had, you know, some tools as well. So off came the linkages, carbies, because it was just something we couldn't get to. The carby had to come off to tighten this this um this little fitting. And once we got the carby off, it wasn't even finger tight. It oh, was really? pathetic, yeah. And it's supposed to be nipped up really well with a brass washer as well, which, you know, are meant to basically crush and and, and help pull in whatever you're tightening. So check the other side, check the other carby, and that was wet as well from the same 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 issue. So it was uh, three in the morning when we were done. Oh, I'm sorry, three in the morning by the time I got home. So, so the previous the previous thinking, owner, Michael, sorry, Marco, the previous owner hadn't hmm. been driving the car because wouldn't have this happened straight away if he was driving the car. Um, he drove it sparingly. I think right. he was heading out to cars and coffee every now and then. I don't think he had taken it on a decent drive up uh, since the last tune or service that he had done in Feb, I think it was. Okay. 
Um, and and this night I took it out for a proper drive and and you know gave it a proper squeeze as well. So I don't think he would have. He didn't have enough um, time in it since that last June for this to pop up. And I I haven't had a chat to him about it. Not that it's you know it's not his fault at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that he's he's going to be as surprised as I was. Um, but it just. You know, look, it, it was a it was a pain, but um, it can happen. These sorts of things mm, can mm. happen, you know, especially with fittings and, and fluids, like whether it be fuel or water or oil. Um, it takes a little while to get through, but once it does start to seep through, you can get a proper pour out, just like your water pumps, just like, right. you know, so sometimes it's not a, yeah, it's not something that will just sit there seeping or dripping. It'll It'll just, yeah, it'll pour out. And I did think of you, Michael. The life I of thought, owning a classic car. Imagine if that was me. Yeah. Imagine if that was well, me. Nine, I would have just said, one, oh, it's yeah. okay. I'll just drive home. Exactly. In a 912, you sort of think, well. And I'll go, where's my fire extinguisher that Steve gave me? Oh, it's in my garage storage cage. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. That's how prepared I am. That's where it is at the moment. Hey, 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 um, to ask that, yes. do, you, do you drive around with a fire extinguisher, Marco? Have you got one in them? I do, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah, in all, all the old cars. Have you um, ever had to I've use always one? got a fire No, no. Yeah. Almost. No. And I've had a few Almost. fuel issues in the past. Yeah, but it, it could have been. I did drive home with two, mine and somebody else threw me theirs as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, um, it's yeah. warts and all if you're going for a 912, unfortunately. Okay, 993 it is then. Um, yeah, sort of one. Let's talk about, I think we might have to end it soon because it's uh, quarter to two and I'm starting to fade. Um, I'll push through, mate. You know that yeah, push through. <laughs> I gotta get up early in the morning. I just really got a haircut in the morning as well, so I gotta get up early. I forgot. Um I just did a search on Google yep. Trends, right? For the Porsche search queries past twelve months. Mm-hmm. And it's quite surprising. Well, it's probably not surpri- not surprising actually. Do you want to know what was at the top? What was number one? Okay. okay. This was done, this is, so this is past 12 months, Google Trends for the word for Porsche, the Porsche searches. Porsche yep. Cayenne 2020. 2020? Yep. Oh, it could be 2022. I might have written that down wrong. <laughs> Hang on, I've still got it open. Let me have a look. Uh, I'm doing it. Mate, don't do it because you've got a different result. Okay, Ooh. 2022, sorry. So the number one was Porsche Cayenne 2022. Number two was Porsche Macan 2022. Number three was Porsche Cayenne Turbo GT. Porsche, this is related queries, Steve, so not related topics, related queries. Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo, Porsche GT4 RS, Mm -hmm. and then uh, I think it's GT3, Porsche GT3 Touring. Mm -hmm. So everything is SUV or electric. There's no searches yep. in there for 911. There's no 911 searches. Is this um, where in the minority enthusiasts are the minority in terms of Porsche? We are, world. aren't we? That's where I was getting yeah, to. Oh, we yeah. are in the minority, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it, it surprised me. It surprised me. And you see the other side. I don't know if you have got the same one. The other side about related topics. Yep. I mean, Porsche 911 came up in related topics. It's got 22. I don't know what related topics mean though. In, in a way, related yep. topics are what, but. 
2020 Porsche, tw- tw- there you go, 2022 Porsche 911 luxury car, Cross Turismo, Cayenne again, Macan again, an electrical, an electric vehicle. So that was yeah, the other side of it. Is so. it a surprise? Because, I mean, if you're a 911 guy, if you're a Porsche fanatic, do you need to, would you be punching in those sorts of searches? Whereas people that would be after a little family car comparing it to a Q5 or whatever else they're comparing it to, yeah, they point. will be there. They will be out there, you know, punching in and trying to get as much info and comparing types of leather and heated seats and cooled seats and all that sort of stuff. Good point. If it's a 911, you're wanting, you know exactly what you're going for. Yeah. People that don't know what they want. Hey, um, let's, mm. let's get Steve's opinion, Marco, because we spoke about it last week. Steve, <clears throat> just quickly mm-hmm. before we go, mm-hmm. your, your thoughts on, your thoughts on two things actually, because I'm interested to know what you think. 992 Sport Classic, what you think mm-hmm. about it. I mean, everyone knows that it's a 2023 model, Porsche 911 Sport Classic. Yep. Special edition limited to 1250 cars. We didn't say this last week, Marco. Um, inspired by classic 911s with ducktail sporter, five-spoke wheels, 405 kW turbo engine with three-wheel drive, seven-speed manual. Um, price from $599,100 before on-road costs in Australia. So a $660,000 on-the-road 911. Is what it an exclusive manufacturer yes, car? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm really undecided. Like I saw it before because somebody broke it. Somebody broke the the um, press embargo like a week before. It was like car and driver somewhere. Um, so then everybody else kind of started talking about it, and you could tell that it caught caught a lot of people off guard because then like everybody was scrambling to kind of get all their information out. So it wasn't sort of like the normal seamless thing where you get all the information in the one hit um so i think when i started messaging you guys the the pictures had been released but not the info that kind of went with it and i was judging it purely aesthetically and i think aesthetically i kind of went i'm not really sure it doesn't look doesn't look sort of as special as the um 997 equivalent like um the color's cool the double bubble roof is there you know the ducktail take it or leave it Fuchs-ish wheels. I know you guys sort of said it wasn't as cool. Um, so I agree with pretty much all of that. The interior, I wasn't really that kind of hot on as well. Oh, I, I know, like, like the interior. Um, yeah, I don't, mm. I'm not. Um, so I, I just kind of went, maybe it's because it was sort of like familiar in terms of, you know, everybody knows about the 997 version and then it's sort of like, oh, well, we'll just kind of re-release something kind of like that you know, a couple of generations later. Um, uh, so I, I'm really, I'm really unsure. Like in terms of it being sort of like basically a turbo, but rear wheel drive, it sort of does make it interesting, but mm. um, it, I don't know. I, I, I don't actually kind of know what to think about it. <laughs> I had this, like I had this written of, down. Sorry, I had this written down actually. Yeah. Are we getting to the point where the 99, I mean, the 992 just seems to have, you know, barely out and already has so many limited edition and, um, oh, and point, plenty you know, more. Yeah. different. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, look at the 99, or comparing it to the 991, 992, they're just really pounding it. So is this, I mean, it probably is aimed at um, your, you know, your, I mean, last hurrah. I think it's a GT. Yeah, look, I, 
It's all I over. think it's a GT3. They're trying to swing people maybe out of the GT3 or give them an I option. Think so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but um, in order to get one, you're but, going to have to be on the list. So you probably already yeah. got like a GT3. Yeah, and, I know, but it, exactly. Yeah. 600k though in Australia. Six. It's more. It's more expensive than the GT3 Touring. Yeah. So I, I last week said people would drop their orders from GT3 Touring and get this. I, I, I don't know if they will at that price. It's yes. a lot of money. And you're right, Marco, what you were saying. Wasn't the original Sport Classic the 997? Wasn't that in the point two of the 997 generation? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was, so this is yeah. in the point one. So they're already putting yeah. it forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're doing yeah. that as a point of difference. What did you think of the ad, Steve? I meant to say, did you watch that ad? Um, Tasha I hated it. it. I showed it to Tasha. Yeah. She hated it. She said, why is it so long? I said, I really like it. Yeah, I, I'm a bit cynical <laughs> about the marketing part of it. Like I know it's sort of like a heritage thing and because I've got an advertising background, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, man, Porsche, Porsche is such a such a strong brand, such a smart kind of company. Um, what they don't need to do, which like a lot of brands do, is lean too heavily on the history. Like they've got history that they can do it with, but they don't necessarily kind of need to do that because I think if they're not careful and they constantly do houndstooth and they constantly kind of do, you know, tribute type stuff, like in terms of, you know, like the 992, the interior badges are all like um, an old SC kind of in terms of the type style, yeah. you know, like if they're not, if they're not careful and all they do is sort of hark back, but they don't do some of the really cool stuff like they did in that Porsche on scene, you know, like the book and yeah. like all of their, um, their sort of showpiece forward. Yeah. design studies things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're good enough to kind of do the design studies stuff that they don't need to kind of, you know, always go retro, which I think is why yeah. people sort of push back on like the heritage models, like that Targa thing with the big, you know, the number on the round deal on the door. It didn't work that well, did it? Yeah, didn't. You're right, actually. They, they really are pushing the heritage a little bit too much. I mean, we love the heritage, right? Um, yeah. But what do you think, though, Steve, that that mm. thing that I – well, I don't know if, we're even, if I got to the point last week, but there is no substitute, the Porsche ad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That Porsche tagline. Do you think mm-hmm. that still is the underlying theme in most of Porsche's advertising? Um. I don't know. They don't really do that much like traditional no, but advertising. But the feel though. Like, See, when I watched that ad, sorry, when I watched that ad, yeah. the first thing yeah. I thought of was there is no substitute. Even though the song's about a love song and it's like the couple or whatever, it's like they're still telling you there is no substitute. You know, my wife is the best. My car is the best. You know, it's the best forever. You know what I mean? That's kind of like the story that they're telling. If You, you know what I mean? Like it's a bit like that oh okay i didn't sort of read it exactly like that because i just sort of went oh okay you're just doing like a super retro kind of thing um from the you know the grade in the sort of mm. the cinematography and the mm. styling and all of that kind mm. of stuff it's just like oh, that as well yeah yeah um yeah i don't know I don't know like if you're kind of if you're asking about is porsche is porsche still so unique that there is no substitute because you're talking to an enthusiast, depending on which one you're talking about. Like if you kind of go 911, then yeah, because I believe it because I've been spouting that crap at um, um, Marco and my cousin who, you know, I'm trying to get to jump into the water, get out of his M3 and get into a Porsche. Like I, I literally am saying to him, there is nothing like, you know, rear wheel yeah. drive, flat six engine, 
all the dynamics, all the all the shape of a blah blah blah. And there is there is no other car that has no those substitute. kind of attributes. Yeah. So that's But he's what, not a true enthusiast. He's not a true lover of Porsche, right? So you still got to convince him, don't you? You know what yet. I mean? For us no, it's well, different, isn't it? For us it's different, right, Marco? Like we are we're already in there. You know what I mean? Like I see the sport classic and I can see some things wrong with it and it's expensive, but I wouldn't say, I'd, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have one, you know, and I'm not saying I wouldn't like to have one. Yeah. You know, this is knowing, the thing. Knowing this particular cousin that Steve's referring to, he is, he is, but he's, I mean, much like me, not, not that I've, that, I, you know, I always had the money sort of sitting there, but for some reason it sort of takes you a while. You start to, you do your, in his case, he's doing his M3 thing and, you know, the Renault Megane sports and the little hot hatches yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And you don't actually realise until you get a taste. And I was saying that to Steve. If he was to get it, he or anybody in particular that, you know, is into Porsche, the smile, that that smile they get when they first get out of the car after having driven it, yeah. especially with, you know, a bunch of other Porsches, and you know they get it. All of a sudden you know that, They've just, you know, they get it. They're, they've got it now and mm. they get what the whole Porsche thing is, you know. But look at us. We're, look at us even in Sydney, you know, those roads, you know, even the drive, the Wiseman's Ferry and then back. You come out, you get out of the car at the end and you just feel, you feel better, don't you? Like you feel happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just, you know, you don't even have to be going that fast all the time, but you just feel, you just have that feeling and you just feel like you, you're happy. It's just that feeling. And but this, you need to sort of, you know, get your cousin around to that that feeling that he will have. It'll be better than a feeling when he gets out of his BMW, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. I don't know what you think, Marco, but, like, it's a no-brainer. Like, he's he's a mad car enthusiast, you know, like, he's mm-hmm. same same lineage as um, my uncle, like Marco's father-in-law, my mum, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's how he's my um, cousin. He's got rev head. He's he's rev head all over. Like he he throws tons of money at cars. He changes cars every couple of years. He he does the whole wheels, exhaust, everything on absolutely every car that he owns. He tinkers away and he loves it. You know, like he's a yep. mad petrol head all the all the kind of way through. And he always has been from like a young guy. Um, yep. So it it it's not a question of whether or not he'll like it. You know for sure that he'll like it. It's just mm-hmm. the the sad part of it at the moment is that. He's a young professional dude with a family. He can afford to kind of get an F80 M3. Um, he'll, he'll love like a 911. It's just his catch now is that because they're getting so expensive, like for him to get into, you know, a 911 now, he's had a taste for M3. Maybe it's a topic for another kind of podcast. Yeah. But at that price point, um, it's much harder because he'll like at the moment, like, you know, the last thing that he kind of mentioned to me, was he sent me an ad for um, a 997 Carrera like yours, right? Um, oh, the one at Classic oh, Throttle Shop? It was something like it. I no, I think it was a private <laughs> It was a private okay. sale one, right? And he sort of said, oh, what's this like? And I kind of explained how you feel about yours and what your car is like and stuff like that. But I'm sure that he'll absolutely love the car mm-hmm. if he kind of go went and jumped in one and drove it. But there is that little thing of he probably, I, I think I said this to him, it's like, the one thing is that you probably will think that it's a little bit slow compared to your F80 M3. Yeah. Um, but you'll find your jollies in driving it hard, the sound, the handling, you know, like all of that sort of stuff is just different. So as long as you can kind of get over like your 
your want to quote sort of kilowatts and, you know, how quick it is off the line and stuff like that, which uh, we've been on enough drives with him. I know that he he loves his cars, but he's not out drag racing people and he's not kind of dropping clutches and shit like that. He's, he, um, so I don't think um, if he kind of shifted from his F80 to a 997, I actually don't think that he would be unhappy, but um, he needs to figure that out by kind of jumping in it sort of thing. And there's such different cars now. But yeah. Yeah. so I don't think, yeah. I think, I think like if I, if we managed to get him into one, if he kind of went for a drive or if, in, if he sort of was a passenger in Marco's car or my car, like, which he hasn't been in, you'll get him for sure. Like he'll, he'll absolutely love it. Um, it's just, it's gotten harder. Like it's just um, the price of entry to kind of getting into a Porsche now is so much higher, um, which, yeah, just, yeah, you know. It is. I think I think with I mean I I did all of that as well. As soon as you get hmm. something like an M3 or a or a GTI or whatever it is, first thing you do is start to mod it, and and sometimes it modding can almost turn into trying to make it something it's not. Yeah. And I find now with the 996, I don't want to make it anything but what it is. You know, you you tinker with it, you might tweak things, you'll fix things on it, but you're not. You know, I, I generally think that not many people are out there trying to remap it and, yeah. you know, throw bigger turbos on it and just trying to sort of, you know, I mean, we do our interior sort of stuff, but it just sort of seems that and, and in his particular case, he did, you know, within a couple of weeks of getting the M3, he started to, you know, put an exhaust and play around with exhausts and try and get some more power out of it and all that sort of stuff. Um I just think that, yeah, once he – I think if he gets a taste of it, he'll be quite happy with 996 or 7 or whatever it is, and he can always play around with those as well. But I think what it lacks in power compared to his F80, it will make up in spades with character and, character. and you know, yeah. the feel mm-hmm. of it and mm-hmm. the sound of it, which you can't replicate. You can put all the exhausts you like on a on an M3 or a C63 or whatever you like, but it's just not going to be the same. Good point. Good point. And I said all that stuff to him too. Um, mm, it's just yeah. he's got to have a, he's got to have a little go. It's it's no different from me kind of trying to entice you, Michael. Like, you it's like yeah, drive a GT three, drive a GT three. Like once you once you just get the little taste and stuff, if you're kind of really into it, um, you yeah. won't. But I missed that. You boat. won't sort of that train's yeah, gone. You won't turn back, kind of thing. So. That train's gone. The days of two hundred and twenty, one hundred ninety thousand are gone. Yeah, well, it crypto. You have to be in the three hundred thousand dollar club. All right, it doesn't even get you into a nine nine three, which is crazy. Can you believe a nine nine seven Carrera is now one hundred and fifty thousand? That's what I was saying. No, I cannot. Fifty thousand. Mm. Exactly the same as it's mine. Empty. Just tell the listeners one at Classic Throttle Shop came up black, exactly the same as mine. It's a hundred and let's say one hundred and fifty thousand Australian dollars. It will sell, and it will sell quickly. You watch that car will be gone in a flash. Mark my words. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. We're finished. We're not going to get into the other stuff. We're not going to. We can't do a three-hour podcast. Um, I have to. I have to crash. Push through, mate. Push through. <laughs> push through. Push through. <laughs> Anything else? I always say that. Anything else before we go? Nope. No. So, what did you think? Did you guys enjoy it? What? The, the three-way. The banshee. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I like being on top. (laughs) All right. I like Michael's hair.
You don't need a haircut. <laughs> Why? What's wrong with my hair? You don't need a haircut. You don't really? need a haircut. I'm saying I like it. You don't need a haircut. <laughs> Something's wrong. What's wrong, Marco? Nothing. You don't. I'm. I'm just saying you don't need a haircut. <laughs> Push on for another couple of hours with this. Let's go. Uh, no, I have to get up early. It's two o'clock. I've got to get up at. Uh, got to get up at seven. Um, all right. Thank you, Steve. Rose, nice to Thanks, see Marco. you. Thanks, Marco. Nice to see you. Haven't seen you in ages. People think, we, people think we see each other all the time. I say no, we don't. It's hard time difference now. And um, uh, actually, to answer the question too, like if we're all right. I should people people kept sort yes. of saying whether. Where the fuck is me? Um, my yes. routine's sort of changed massively. My wife went back to work. My kids are all over the shop. My work has gone down the toilet. So and I'm in that's London. where I am. That's And Michael's in London. So trying to organise a time where we can all kind of get together where it's actually quiet and stuff is really difficult, which I apologise for, but that's life. So Yeah, at the moment it's a bit difficult. And we explained this a little bit last week. You know, with my situation, as I've said before, it's a lot to do two podcasts. Not that I don't like the podcast, but it's a lot to do two every week. And I just don't have the time to do two a week, um, especially with two new projects started started already. Yep. Uh, one that doesn't end until 2025. So it's a bit crazy, but that's how things work. Marco, thank you. Thank you. It was fun. Steve. It was good. good to get Steve back on. It was good. Steve, yep. thanks, mate. No worries, man. Take care. Have a good week. You, you too. See you guys. All right, everyone. See you. Um, see you, Marco. That's Marco and Steve coming in from Sydney. Uh, I'm going to remind the listeners, Steve has a 997 GT3 Carrara white. <laughs> Marco has a 996 Turbo Speed yellow. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now.